Good morning and welcome to day 29 of The Sober Rebel. Whether you're dipping your toe into the sober pool and trying a 30-day stint, or whether this is something that you want to do for longer, this series is designed to get you pondering. I'm Louisa Evans and I'm a cognitive behavioural hypnotherapist. And I've written and researched these episodes on so many different topics, pulling together my knowledge from my professional life, advice from the sober community, and also looked into research on some topics that are quite new. Today, I want to talk about the importance of building a sober identity. And this is something that William Porter talks about in his books. And it struck a chord with me when I read that. I've made no secret of the fact, and I've talked a lot this series about the fact I wanted to go sober 10 years before I actually did. And I didn't or couldn't manage to do it or to see it through. So what changed? Partly, it was my mindset. It was my age. My motivators got bigger. But also, I built a sober identity. I created something that I just couldn't back away from. And that's one of the big questions, isn't it? When you remove alcohol from your life, which for a lot of people can be a huge part of your identity, because alcohol is a huge part of society, let alone people's identities. It was for me. And when I took alcohol out of my life, there was a part of me that was wondering, well, who am I? Who am I with all this time in front of me? What do I want to be? Because sobriety opens up time, it opens up possibilities, you have more energy, you have the opportunity to approach problems in a healthier way, you have the opportunity to process traumas that you've been through, to be present in your life from the everyday to the big events, being present on holidays or at Christmas or on birthdays. All of the things actually that people think would be difficult to achieve, but it's actually those moments for me that were the gifts of sobriety. And of course, the return of joy and happiness in just the everyday mundane small things. So when it comes to building your sober identity, that's what you're basically looking to do in those early days, the first few weeks and first few months, because we've all spent years as drinkers, whether you've been drinking for five years or 35 years. Maybe you've been the sort of person that's always at the centre of the drama at parties or you've used alcohol to give you confidence at events in the past. When you remove it and stop drinking, you do need to spend some time building up your sober identity, understanding who you are as a sober person. And for me, I needed to accept that I'd had a big relationship with alcohol. That was the first thing, accepting that that was a part of my identity. I couldn't dismiss it. I couldn't play it down. As a child, I'd learnt things about alcohol. I thought of it as being grown up. I saw it as being fun and sophisticated. As an adult, I thought it was the secret to enjoying life. And I just couldn't imagine ever having fun again without it. Well, you'll have your own relationship with alcohol and you'll be unpicking that in this process. But it will be intertwined with your identity on some level. Even if you are a once a month binge drinker, you'll have formed associations and an emotional attachment to alcohol. Sobriety is an absolutely brilliant time for introspection because you've got so much clear headed time for it. 
And that curiosity and that want to understand myself better was really peaked for me the minute I removed booze. Because I liked identifying as the person who was calm and chilled. I really enjoyed being the person who in sobriety was very clear-headed. You could always rely on me in a crisis. I could drive anywhere at any time. Part of my identity that really unleashed itself was my love of the gym. Because although I'd worked out when I was younger, I hadn't done it for the right reasons. I'd been doing it for aesthetic reasons. Whereas now I really enjoy working and stretching my muscles and feeling fit and energised. To be honest, I've now created a sober identity that really doesn't have room for alcohol in it. And I created that in the very early days. I now identify as a healthy person that respects and listens to her body these days. And I love it. But if you'd have told me that five years ago, I'd have looked down my nose. And I'm ashamed to say that. I used to see people jogging on the street and laugh about it, saying, well, when I see a happy jogger, I'll take it up. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase that you need to build a life that you no longer want to escape from. That's really, really true. But I also urge you to really work on and build your sober identity, one where alcohol just simply doesn't fit into it. So one of the biggest areas for me to really embrace, which isn't natural for me with my personality type, But that's one of delayed gratification. At the end of the day, alcohol is instant gratification, as many things are that are addictive or bad for you. Anything from alcohol, social media, junk food, drugs, shopping addictions. You get quick wins, you get that quick dopamine hit, but they're ultimately losses to your mental and physical well-being because they aren't sustainable and they need to then be repeated. They peak and then they dip usually lower than where you started. So delayed gratification was something I had to embrace. And that's where longevity of joy truly is. It's where growing contentment and happiness gradually sees it last. And I thought of all the things at the start of my sober journey that took time to unfold in my life. Things like my marriage, my education, my career, the solid friendships that I have, the trust I have in other people and their trust in me, even down to my pregnancies and my children and my sobriety. None of those things happened overnight. In fact, none of those things were easy either. They had ups and downs. They were hard fought for. And as a result, the deep love and satisfaction having achieved these things or brought these things to fruition are even more cherished because they took time. The gratification lasts because it was delayed and it was earned. So a big part of my sober identity is somebody that embraces delayed gratification. I look for it wherever I can instead of old Louisa who wanted the quick fix. So I built up a sober toolkit that I used at the start and I still use today. Because I'm somebody who likes to be organised, I'm somebody who likes to have tick lists and checklists. And so I approached my sobriety with the same sort of professionalism that I would anything else in life. And at the start, I have to confess, when I was resetting, 
I was giving my sobriety a bit of a half-arsed attention. So I threw myself into it right from the start. I created myself that sober toolkit. And so I thought I'd share it here with you today so that you can pick and choose what you think might work for you and add to it. So the first thing I used, and it's a bit of an obvious one for me because it's my job, but I used self-hypnosis. I decided that my sobriety was something I wanted to do for the long term. So I listened to a self-hypnosis at night time that involved a deep relaxation. So that helped me sleep in the early days. But also what it did was it reaffirmed all the wonderful positives about being sober at the same time. So I was constantly keeping my brain on the sober train. I was keeping it in the right mindset. The other thing I did was I got a card and wrote out my important reasons for going sober. I kept it on me at all times and I saved that, as I've said in a previous episode, on my phone as well. I've gone through all of these over the episodes, but this is a bit of a summary. The other thing I did was thought distancing. So I saw any of my thoughts that came up. They were coming up more at the start and less as time went on. But thoughts that I might like a drink in a certain situation, I saw them as just that. They were only thoughts. They're just habits because I'd done them a lot before. But habits can be changed. They don't need to be acted on. When I was resetting and failing at the start, I was giving my cravings, calling them cravings, far too much power. Now they have no power whatsoever. And that's the attitude I take. And when you've ignored these things or challenged them for long enough, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. And it does get easier and easier as time goes on. The other thing I use in my toolkit is breath. So in a triggered moment, I knew that I was being tripped into the fight or flight side of the autonomic nervous system. So I take three, three, six, nine breaths to still my system down and to calm my mind down so that I'm responding and not reacting. I use distraction. If something popped up or a thought that I could drink, I would go for a walk, take myself outside, have a shower, a change of scenery. And I've used an app and I still use an app and it still tracks my days. I have to remember to go back into it now, which I don't do as often. But it's really good to see those days ticking up. It's really nice and it's really affirming to see all those sober days clocking up after I'd clocked up so many days as a drinker in the past. I always make sure I have those alternative beverages as well. And I surrounded myself with people, people that supported me or people that were sober as well. And that's really important, talking to other people that get it. If I'm ever tempted by the thought, well, maybe you could just have one. I have to, I'm saying that and I'm never tempted by that thought because I'm not lying to myself. I know it wouldn't just be one. I know it wouldn't be a one-off. One of those phrases I heard once was, you can stop a cucumber becoming a pickle, but you can't turn a pickle back into a cucumber. And it really got me thinking about that. Once you've identified you've got an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, as I already have established that, there's no point in fantasising about moderating. So moderation just isn't something I fantasise about, which we've discussed. But just in case that voice thinks it can wheedle its way back in, I remind myself I'm a pickle, not a cucumber. I know I would never ever put a bottle of wine back in the fridge. It seemed like sacrilege to leave any in a bottle. 
I'd find any excuse to have a drink from something going well to something going badly or it just being a Wednesday. And I don't miss the shame of helping others with their habits and not helping myself as a therapist. I'm under no illusion that when I did have alcohol-free days off, before the voice tells me that that's somehow proof that I don't have as bad a problem as I think I did, I remind myself it took a lot of willpower to do that. And it's actually far easier to make one decision and to go without alcohol full stop. I've made my decision, then my mental capacity is freed up for better things. And that's where my sober identity comes in. You have to sit and work out who you want to be, who you are, how you want to spend your time, who you want to be around, and to make that sober identity bigger than your drinking identity. So are you the person that people can come to in a crisis? Are you the person that they can always rely on? There've been people that have asked me, what next? Am I seriously never going to drink alcohol again? And actually, I really don't feel that I am. I feel too good without it and I felt so shit with it. And that's a fact I'm never ever going to let myself forget. As the months tick by with sobriety, you feel better and better and better. So I urge anyone who's only doing this for 30 days to consider extending to 90 or longer. I'm currently in that lovely state of not having to bat off thoughts about drinking on a regular basis. They're so few and far between. I can enjoy things without alcohol, without thinking about it, and I feel really happy and content in my life and my sobriety. I would say I'm confident, but I'm not complacent. I'm just so aware and clear on all the many benefits that sobriety has brought to me and my loved ones, to my marriage, to my health, to my life in general, to my career. And I've created now an identity. I shout from the rooftops that I am a sober rebel. I have the podcast. I've written the book. I'm on Instagram talking about it on a daily basis. I talk on my normal social media about it. In my community, I'm known as somebody who's gone sober. In my therapy clinic, I'm known as the sober therapist. I'm known as somebody who can help people wanting to go sober, amongst other things. But if I were to turn around now and say, guys, sorry, I've changed my mind. I've had a drink. It just isn't even possible for my brain to go there. And that's because I have created this world, this identity that exists with me as this person. And it might feel strange. I've spent so many years as a drinker and a very, very relatively short amount of time then as a sober person. But that will become the new normal and it's becoming more and more normal for me as time goes on. So I hope you like the idea of taking time to think about your sober identity and to think about your identity as a drinker and what you're walking away from or what you're leaving should you turn this into a longer term goal. I find it immensely rewarding. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We're nearly at the end of the series and so tomorrow the subject is a biggie. It's all about creating a meaningful life. So I can't wait to get stuck into that one and I'll catch you tomorrow. Have a great day.